You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Scala Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Hello and welcome to uh, this week's edition of the Westerer is Best Row Podcast with me, Lee G and Big M. How's it going, Mart? How's things? I'm good. I've had a bit of a nightmare 24 hours with a car and a baby coming out in chicken pot. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, it's New Year, isn't it? It's the whole kind of, let's get all the infections. Everyone I've spoken to so far, going back to, to work and all of that, is oh, how, how was Chris? Oh, so-and-so's got this, so-and-so's got that. And uh, uh, and I'm the same with uh, the boys got uh, uh, an infection. So you're like, oh, it's just one of those. I think everybody catches it over Christmas and it all just comes out then in, in, in New Year. It's one of those things. So you're not alone, mate. You're not alone. <laughs> So, you know. <laughs> it's, it's not though, is it? It's not good to know at all. It's just like everybody else is crap as well. I'll be honest, it's, it's really annoying because my five-year-old had chicken box just before Christmas. And mm. we literally, we, we stuck them both together hoping she'd get it. And she waited a bloody fortnight before it came out. Literally yeah. the day she goes back to nursery. Yeah. I see it's awkward when they go back to nursery, isn't it? It's because the the excitement of seeing your friends after Christmas, everybody's like, yay, and, and they're all hugging and all that kind of stuff. That's, yeah, I'm glad I'm out of those days, mate. I'm glad I'm out of those. <laughs> i tell you what was annoying, right? So how how annoying is this? So dropped my girl to hockey last night. So went one way to hockey, came back, fine, no problems at all. Went to collect her from hockey. An hour later... Three sets of roadworks in between my house and the hockey pitch, which is like a mile <laughs> and a half away. And I'm like, these were not these were not here when I dropped her off. Yeah, just it's just it's a it's a I don't understand why do you decide to put them all here at the same time? You know, there was obviously something happening last night. Drove me. I, I can see you tearing up, mate. It must have been really hard. Yeah, I I dealt with it in a very level, calm-headed kind of way, as you can imagine. <laughs> I, I wasn't sitting there screaming at a traffic light. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? You the traffic light. There we go. Anyway, so last Saturday, let's talk rugby. Let's talk last Saturday. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um. How good was it? I mean, how how good was that game? Um, you know, just as a game, uh, regardless of us winning, how good was the game? 
It was it was it was an awesome watch. It, it, it's it's making me want to go to away games again. So you know it it says something. So, <laughs> so I think I've probably only been to three or four in my entire life of away games, and they've always been the Ospreys Boxing Day one. So for me, don't want to be driving around all times of the year to different away games. It, it says there's got to be something there, and it, it was just outstanding. Some some of the players, some of the moves we saw were, were just outstanding from both sides. Yeah, and I think that's what kind of made it. Usually, you expect a derby game to be quite um, tight, quite tense, quite you know, like the, the the Cardiff game earlier in the season was one mistake one break and that was it that was that was a difference between the sides you know there, there wasn't a lot between us it was a bit attritional um and the the dragons game was certainly very attritional in in, in that sense you know it was an intense game so to see both sides you know kind of cutting loose quite early we we did cut loose quite early. you could see it from the start you know blacker's try was what 10 minutes in something like that 12 minutes in and and it was that was a kickable penalty, you know. Definitely, we're inside the twenty-two. So for him to tap and go from there, kind of showed the, the intent. Yes, it's not just that you've got to give him a lot of credit because it wasn't as, as simple as tap and run over the line. He had to hop over to a Pilato's legs, cut back on an angle, and it it must it looked like three forwards. He dived into it to go over the, yeah. over the three line. So you know you've got to have some balls to do that. Yeah. And I thought just the, you know, we we in the past we've kind of expected that from scrum halves. We we've kind of that's always been a thing that Scarlets have done with that quick tap and go penalty has been, you know, where we've built a lot of good play from, and it it does keep the opposition um, a little course. bit, yeah. And they they, I mean, normally the whistle goes. And as a as a forward, when that whistle goes for a penalty or whatever, you're a bit like, okay, I've I've got a bit of a break now. I've got a bit of a I can sit down for for thirty seconds. Oh, if I can tell you were never a forward because that is totally <laughs> not <laughs> <a forward. laughs> it, it is so. You, you know, right? Okay, it's going to be a kick to the corner or whatever, you know, or a penalty. You know, so you you do kind of switch off for a couple of seconds. And yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I do understand it. That close to the line, it was quite congested. For him to do that, it was a, a massive risk, and it it, it, mm. it did pay off, thankfully. Yeah, because if it hadn't have, if he hadn't have gone over, oof, you can you can imagine the um the 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 conversation that that would have been. Yeah, but no one was with him. No one knew what was happening. No, and and I think that was the good thing. I think you know. Everybody just went, oh, that's going over. And he just went bang. And like I say, with five players, he ran through five players, took a couple with him over the line. And half of the Cardiff forwards are just stood there going, what's happened? You know, didn't just didn't have the time to react. So, yeah, I, I loved that try. I, I thought that was a, a cracking, cracking try. But then it just kept coming. It just, it was from then on, it was bang, 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 you know? So, what, what, what did you make of which was the try after that? Was it Jonathan Davis? The one McNichols in the court, yeah. So, what did you make of McNichols? Wow, I mean, okay, we've seen loads of wingers, fullbacks, you know, try that sort of thing, you know, the sort of the dive in, try in the corner. 
but still every time you see it it is amazing i mean the ball in one hand to keep that control i mean it, it does take a high level of skill mm. i mean people okay i know everyone's held a rugby ball but you know once you get to a certain age you you don't touch it you forget the size of them and to hold a ball in one hand and keep control of it it's not an easy task mm. like i i know if your buddy is six foot four and name is sam lousy or for feet that it's quite easy but for the for the common person is it's quite difficult so mm. the finishing skill involved there was, was phenomenal and the build-up play was quite nice as well so a, a lot of good hands just to get it out to him mm. i thought that was the, the the difference in that first half certainly the first 30 minutes was we just blew Cardiff away because there was there was very little in the way of contact and what contact there was was it was quick it was sharp it was aggressive and it was, and then the ball was gone you know the the their defense just didn't have any time at all to set and do anything and any time Thomas Young came near a ruck he had two players on him so uh, you know we 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 definitely targeted him and what that did was that freed up Dan Davis to just kind of run riot and, you know, very different oh, kind did. of player, but a, an aggressive runner. You forget how much of an aggressive runner he is with a ball in hand, you know. I mean, Dan Davis, since he made his first start appearance a few years ago, he has changed massively. Like he first came in, I think he had a run of three or four games. And he was making turnovers for fun, but he was getting, he was, he was probably going for 12, 15 attempts and taking maybe three or four. So he was getting hit off the ball a lot. And I remember either that preseason or the year after, he bulked up a hell of a lot. And you can see that on him now. Mm. If you could get a look of what he was like his first appearances to now, I mean, it looks as though he's doubled in size. And mm. he is, he, he looks an animal compared, they look like different people. Mm. You know, and it's it's improved his carrying massively. And you could just watch that game, just watch his food runs. I, I know we didn't make, you know, gargantuan meters every time, but you could just see the basics in, in, in everyone, actually. The pumping the legs after contact, the spinning out of the tackles. It was just lovely to see. Mm. I think that was the bit for me with Dan Davis. Let's say he didn't make massive yards, but when he was taking the ball on, he was taking two or three players out, you know, and and he was he was run he was running into space, drawing players in, and then creating space for others. And sometimes that gets kind of overlooked. You know, people don't look at, at who makes the space, so they look at who runs into the space, sort of thing. But yeah, I just thought. Yeah, you know, we I was talking after the game and we could have picked, you know, ten players for man of the match. And and we've said this before, that there's there's no real standout person, you know, there's no real standout player for the Scarlets this year. Do you know what I mean? We're not relying on one or two people to do all the work. It it's much more of a a team kind of mentality change, I think, on that. Would you agree? Yeah, or... it, yeah it, it really is. I mean, obviously you get some games where, you know, someone, I mean, what would be like 12 games in, something like that. And you do see it sometimes, you know, one player's putting in a bit more than others. But vast majority of time, it's not a big difference. Mm. And it 
obviously you always rely on those moments of magic. Everyone likes to see those moments where just one player just does something and he just sparks the whole game. And those are still happening, like to a plot who's run for the third try. Mm-hmm. That that's something we need to come on to. Mm-hmm. But there see there seems to be a, a sort of higher set standard this season. I, I know we haven't had the best of results as in end results. Bro performances barring maybe two maybe three games have been exceptional. Mm. And it's yeah. literally just this, the result on the scoreboard that's, that's been the issue. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I I was pleased for Tupelo too as well. Because when you've got someone like Calmaphone in front of you to get into the side, it's, it is it is a bit of a, um, not disheartening, but you know you've got to bring... You've got to wait for something. You've got to wait for an injury or you've got to wait for a suspension or, or you've got to wait for him to have a rest or whatever. So for him to come in and play, it, it wasn't like this is his first start of the season. It, it didn't feel like that when he was on the... I know he's had a couple of, you know, 10 minutes at the end of the game here, there and everywhere, but um, it felt like it felt like he'd come of age on on Saturday to a and I yeah, think... Yeah. He, I can 100% get behind that. It's like, obviously, everyone's going to focus on that that one big barnstorming run off the kickoff. Mm. But there was so many times during the game, some of the hits he was putting in, and he was constant while he was on the pitch. He, every time, like, like, we were, like I said earlier, the pumping of the legs, just having that drive, and you could see it in him practically every single time. He wanted more. And obviously, you know, we, we spoke last week and I was saying, you know, Callum is going to be out for a while. This is his chance. And fair play to the boy. He has stepped up massively. I mean, mm. he, he could have played probably 80% of that level and we would have gone. That was a good performance from him. Yeah. And, and, and I, I hope he backs it up now with another couple of games of similar kind of performances. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like but, he's obviously he's going to be number eight for Friday night against the Cheetahs, but mm. Carl McHorney's ban ends then, which you know I'm I'm happy about, but I'm, I'm not so happy for the player for two applaud Dukes. He's uh, having a challenge, but I, I hope he does enough to keep the shirt for the Bayonne game. I really mm. do. Well, if we get a, I mean, we will talk about the the Cheetahs game later, but um, bonus point win and we qualify anyway. So if we rock up a bonus point win, there's no point in bringing Callum Othoni back for the Bayonne game. Do, do you know what I mean? We may as well roll a couple of dice and bring a couple of players through. So, but yeah, we'll, but we'll yeah, I, I do understand that. But with uh, with the way it works in the Challenge Cup now, with with teams from the Heineken dropping yeah, down, drop down and I'm not sure how the the seedings work. I'm, I'm sure you know Peel and all that will will know exactly. The, the scenarios, so uh, you know, it, it probably will end up be better off take going at least ninety percent fully loaded out to be on just to try and secure that, if not top spot in the pool, the second, just yeah. so we can guarantee on missing out on one of the Heineken teams and a home quarter final. Or yeah, is it is it sixteen or quarter final? Um, I think there's a another round and then it's quarter final because the time yeah. the sides that drop down. Isn't it? The, yeah, the, but yeah, I think as well. If we finish first in the pool, then we're guaranteed home fixtures all the way to the final, hmm. which would be so nice. that would be nice. Yeah, 
So we, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. But so the third try then. So uh, for, go back to back to Saturday. Was Jonathan Davis offside? Hundred percent. There's, there's no way you can say he wasn't offside. You can look from it from lots of angles. You can even look from the back with the shadows from the side. You can see he's offside. And I mean, I, I, I'm not arguing against it just because, you know, you've got, you've got to take what you get. But mm. I, I thought I heard immediately over the ref calm, yeah, he's offside. And then from to go through it all and to award it, it was like, come on. Fair enough. One's one's gone for us. Hmm. And I think that was it. They, what they said over the the mic was um, looking for convincing evidence. And yeah, I just think that, yes, I think with the yeah. words you. And I think from the angles, the the, the camera angles, um, yeah, there was always a debate uh, about the angle that that the. the that they were looking at, do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's what that was the difference. So that was why it got given was because the gut feeling was he was on side. So you need to be hundred percent convinced that it's not to to um, to not give that try. So yeah, I was in the fifty fifty club on that one. I I was very much um, that's one eyed. Uh, well, yeah, it is, but that's why I do a scarlet supporters one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, um, no, I, I, I'm not afraid to admit when you know we've had a rubber, rubber the green light. I mean, we haven't had it very often this season, but yeah, we clearly did for that, right? Well, that's what I, I, that's how I justified it to myself after. I thought, you know, if it is, if it's a 50 50 call that's gone our way, that's probably the second or third one in total out of about 40 odd this year that's gone our way. So, yeah, it, um, I, th- I think we probably did it, but I think also it's when you put it into the referee's head, you know, that we're the ones playing the, att- at, at that point in the game, we were the ones playing the attack in rugby. We were the ones just chucking the ball because patch, and we've spoken about this before, we just sit deceptively quick. So when he makes that break and he, he glides through that center, he looks like he's jogging. Do you know what I mean? He, it doesn't look like there's a lot of pace on him because of the length of his leg and the length of his stride. And he just leaves him for dead. And for me, seeing Patch back doing those kind of things was, you know, it, it reminded me of a couple of years ago when everything was just everything he touched turned to gold, you know. And yeah, well, I, there was there was a lot going on at the start of the season where Patchell was, you know, effectively third choice hmm. because you know Dinky Dan Jones was being picked on the bench and then he was he was picked for the Leinster game ahead of Patchell. So uh, I, I think he has been struggled. He's always struggled with injury, I think, for the last two and a half, three years. And I, I think that was sort of a similar story where he was always around 70%, but he's basically been thrust into it now and he's found some match fitness and he's found some form, which mm. I, I don't know if it's going to be great for us overall, especially with the Six Nations coming. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he backs up, you know, the last couple of performances on Friday night, then I wouldn't be surprised to see him being, you know, boosted back into the Six Nations squad. And sadly, I could probably see Costello going with him. So mm. that leaves us down to just one fly off. Yeah, which is it's 
the situation we've been in so many times where, you know, Gareth Davis and um, Kieran Hardy, you know, and, and now we're in a position where we've got Kieran Hardy and, and Blacker, you know, so... I think we have to go back a decade to find a time where we didn't have two scrum halves in the Welsh squad. And when mm. we've had Ali Davis, Rodney yeah. Williams in this time as well. And it's, it always seems to be our scrum halves that go. Mm. Yeah. And I say, I think that's just the way we've always played the game has been based around, you know, a strong dynamic nine and what, eight, nine, ten kind of combination. But yeah, I mean, for me on Saturday, the, when we got to the end of that third try, I thought, oh, this is it. Now we bonus try before half time. You know, this is the stuff of dreams, isn't it? You know, but Cardiff came back strong. They really came back strong. And I was quite pleased that they did come back and, and challenged us because the boys stuck at it. And if they if we'd have walked over that game, it would have been, you know, Cardiff had an off day, Cardiff went here, Cardiff went... Cardiff came back and Cardiff were competitive and we held them and we came out on top. So, you know, nobody can say that that was an easy game, an easy walkover game, you know? Yeah. I mean, if we look at that game on a whole and if we try to look at the negatives, obviously there, there were some negatives in the scrum, which we, mm. we, we might get on to. It depends on how you were feeling. <laughs> and... The, the decision at the end of the game to kick the ball to touch and not to go for the three points with the win behind us, which would have taken the bonus point away from Cardiff. I think mm. that's the only things that I'm annoyed at. Mm. Well, I, I can kind of see both sides of the, the kick at the end of the game because if it comes back off the posts or, you know, you need to make, at the bare minimum, you need to make sure it goes dead. Yeah. And then I think they were questioning with the referee, if it goes dead, if we miss it and it goes dead, do they then get a chance to restart? And then I think that was the, the decision. I think she said, yes, there'd be a restart if you kicked it because the original penalty was before 80 minutes, before the clock went red. So that's why a tap and a kick, oh. that was that was it. I, th I think, I might be wrong, but I think that's what they were talking about where if we miss it Cardiff get the get a chance to restart and yes. it just takes a knock on or something you know um I'm surprised that, but from the, the dropout behind your own goal line and you've got 90 meters or 85 meters 95 meters to to play in you know how somebody hasn't found a little bit of space to chip a ball into do you know what I mean why everybody kicks it long and kicks it 50 metres when you could yeah. I think you've only got to that, get it over the line that is something that I I struggle with when I watch rugby it's because there's, there's only I think there's only three types of kick you either kick it out you dink it over or you kick to find space and mm. it seems to be it, we just kick to each other a lot of the time and there's not there's not enough of these little dinks in behind, and you can mm. clearly see the space there, you know, for probably about sixty minutes of the game, where it's so mm. structured and there's just no one in that gap. There's no sweeper, mm. and I but, just, I'm surprised that we we that, well not just us but everybody doesn't use it a lot more. Mm. So, I think that you know that 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 ticks off the end of the game. 
so before we talk about scrummaging where we were poor in the scrummage so let's let's talk about head contact and players on the pitch <laughs> so oh, do you want I have, do you want to start on that one i have no idea how timani stayed on that pitch i mean i'll, I'll give him a, a little bit of favoritism you know because we did have his big brother with us for a few years but honest to God, I, I don't understand how Joy came to the the decision and she did. There's mitigation because he's dropped. There's not a significant drop from the time where he dips to make the tackle. Mm. So and you can you can clearly see it. it's maybe about an inch, if that, that he moves. That, yeah. And the shoulder's so hard into the head. I am so happy that Joe Roberts came out of it and is fine. But I, I just really don't understand how you can miss that. There's there's several different things you could look at. He's not the first tackler, so there's no need for him to go into it. And secondly, he's be, he's just shoved his shoulder straight into the head. Hmm. How that isn't a red card. Like I've spoken to a few mates who are Cardiff fans and they're like, yeah, that's you know, there's there's no doubt. I don't even know how we stayed on. And if we keep on Tamani and go later into the game where I think he was Shingler we literally just flipped upside down over a rack and just left him go. And then you could hear Brian McNeese over the TMO going, he's already on a yellow. Yeah. You know, just to tell you, you know, you're going to see sending him off basically, just reminding her. And then nothing came of it. Yeah. And, but that wasn't the first time where she ignored the TMO in the game. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it was shortly after that Tamari tackle. And I think we were attacking down in the Cardiff 22. Yeah, we were wrong by um, Yeah. And I think it was Jared Evans quite clearly took somebody out with a, a, a high tackle. He was a um, seatbelt tackle, wasn't it? Yeah. But, you know, it was a, it was definitely a yellow card offence because it was head contact. Um, and it was five metres out or ten metres out or whatever. So we, that's another penalty to us right down in there 22 but the TMO was trying to talk to her um, but because she was talking to um, Josh Turnbull then she didn't give it and I I thought I thought the TMO should have when they were lining up so I think they they cleared the ball kicked it for a line out I, I think the TMO was in his rights to say okay hang on a second we need to come back I need to show you something before we start the next phase of play if you could listen to her, when the ball went out and we were already at the line out ready, mm. he said, oh, it's too late now. That's what the TMO said. And yeah. for him to say that when he knows he's being broadcast live and everyone's going to know this, it is never too late to go back for foul play. Mm. Like, I, I'm surprised he hasn't been cited for that and Tamani be cited for the, the tip tackle on Shingler. Because it was dangerous. Not, oh, yeah. I mean, I... I'm not happy with the state of the game at the minute where if you get a yellow card in a game for head contact or whatever, that's the end of it. It mm. needs to be, every single contact needs to be taken into consideration even after the game. Like even if it meant, even if it was detrimental to us, which obviously it, it can be quite easily, you, you can't let a player do that and then have no repercussions from it. Because 10 mm. minutes on the side is not a repercussion for smashing someone's head off with your shoulder. No, no. But then you've got the balance of that. Like, we had two yellows as well. So the first yellow was... <laughs> was it Steph Thomas? 
Yeah, he was the first one. Yeah. So, again, Cardiff supporters calling for red card on that um, because it was head-on-head. And I'm thinking, well, from a... I didn't have a problem with her uh, consistency uh, in ref in, in the sense that some of the decisions that she gave on that game, I've seen go the other way. I've seen the same decision go against us in other games. Yeah. So if you if you take Owen Williams' tackle on um, Costello being a yellow, that was similar to. The um, was it Steph Thomas that got sent off? Yeah, yeah. So that was similar to Steph Thomas's tackle. Um, and I just don't understand how, as a professional player, you can find yourself in a defensive position upright. Right. You know, you, you, you're here like this, and you know you've got to come in low. So bare minimum, when you're, even if you're standing there doing nothing. Stand there in a crouched position. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I, I mean? Have, have, been, have your knees flexed, ready, like just be bouncing yeah. on your toes. So even if you fall forward, you fall forward here, not at his head. And that's the bit I just, it was disappointing for me because it was a stupid yellow card. I mean, Shingler's yellow card was pathetic, but it, it was a silly yellow card to give away. There was no need for him to give that. If like, he'd have just gone in a bit lower, he'd have been fine. It's like, I agree 100% it was a yellow card offence. I haven't exactly looked at it close enough because the head con- there is head contact, but it does look minimal. Mm. I'll say that. But when like Wayne has called several times about consistency in refing, we're not mm. talking... Like, I know we want consistency match to match, but you want consistency throughout the same match as well. Yeah, so absolutely. if you're going to judge that Timani's was a yellow, surely you should only judge that Steph Thomas was a penalty because there's nowhere near the force. Yeah, like I, I'm not saying it should have been a penalty. It's definitely a yellow card offence. But how can you argue that Timani's is exactly the same level? Yeah, so I, I, I thought the same thing, that it was consistent, but consistently wrong. Um, and I think that was the the issue. So Shingler's yellow then. I mean, oh, I mean, we all know what he was doing, but how I don't understand how the refs and the TMO can say that it was clear and obvious that that what he, that that is what he was doing is beyond me. Which is what the scope is hmm. uh, from those angles. I mean, he's not even directly looking. Okay, he is looking slightly down, but he's not looking at his feet. And he is literally shuffling his foot forward. I mean, yes, he's trying to stand on his foot, but at the same time, you can't say he he was intentionally doing that from the camera angles. Mm. And for was it who who was it? Was it Thomas Young? Uh, no, uh, Thomas Young had gone off. It was um, Ellis Jenkins. Ellis Jenkins, that's the one. How can you do something to uh, Aaron Shingler for something like that, and then? not even look at the reaction because he got put on his ass off the ball. Yeah, and he oh, almost okay. got tip-tackled um, when he, well, when I, he I, did. I, wouldn't say. I mean, yeah, he was, his, his hips were above his, his shoulder, mate. When, oh, when he goes down, yeah, his I, hips I was, were above his shoulder. I was thinking shoulder. of that instance then. Mm. But I, and that's why, yeah, the consistency through the game, when you compare Shingler's yellow card with Tamani's yellow card, and you just think... Hang on, seriously. 
you know it's not it's not only that if you if you think of the shingler thing where i couldn't see nothing clear and obvious to say he meant to do that we know he meant to do it but i couldn't see that he meant Mm. to do it then that's not clear and obvious so surely you should have disallowed jonathan davis's try (laughs) you know what i mean I do. For me, for Shingler to do that, though, was just, it was stupid. You know, we had Cardiff pinned in their 22. We're two minutes from time, three minutes from time, or whatever. Game's getting close. Game's getting tight. There's six points in it. You've got Cardiff pinned in their own 22. I think it was our scrum. You know, there would have been our scrum from that, that uh, breakdown. And you go and do that, and you're like, come on. You know, it was... It was silly. It it was old school stuff that we need to kind of we need to get out of uh, we need to get that out of the heads that this is not what, what we do. What? Yeah, oh, man. I can tell you, just... you're back, man. No, look. I know you might think it's painful, but when you get raped on the back, I mean, it fires you up. It gets you going. I mean, it, yeah, it, it does. It is, there but, is something, you know, truly gory about, you know, someone causing you pain and you firing up from it. <laughs> but then, as a professional player, you've got to have that cool head and just go, you know, we're, we're in a position here. We, we've had a, a, a bit of an iffy run. We've had one decent game against the Dragons and now we could back that game up and this could be it, like, you know. So yeah, disappointing for me from that perspective. Um, you know, apart from that, I thought Shingler had a, 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 another excellent game. I really did. Yeah. Um, he's not showing any sign of his age at all. He's it's like days of old. But yeah, to to get to that stage and to do that was it was disappointing and infuriating for me watching it. I was just like, oh. Because like I said, we all knew what he was doing. He was trying yeah, to provoke he... a reaction. He got the reaction. He got the reaction. He and it just he was the one that paid the price for it. So yeah, just just yeah. a wrong time with wrong time. You know, different scenario. Yeah. Then maybe it would have been a, a smart decision. But you know, when when you are deep in the opponent's half, close to the end, you lead in. Mm. It's not worth it. No. No. So let's let's talk about scrums then, because that was the one area that we struggled in in that game. Um, and we've been doing all right in scrums pretty much up till now. Um, yeah. But Carter just took us apart in the scrum. Uh, it was mainly, I, I, I don't like saying any one player was at fault, but, you know, Javan really struggled. And I, I know that um, oh, Wainwright didn't have exactly the best of games in the scrum when he came on, but he, he held up a little bit better. But even though you know we were getting mullered, you could you could just see in them. You could just watch if you watch it back and you look at the scrums, especially the ones where they get pinged for moving early or mm. or you know dropping to their knee. You can just see the way our players are shifting back slightly to try and influence that because. Mm. It was more, we're not going to win the scrum, but we need to be smart. We need to try and get away from this. And I probably led by Ken Owens more than anyone else because of his experience. But he, they were just, we were just tilting him back a little bit at the scrum to try and make it appear as though they're pushing early. And it worked. So yeah. that was brilliant. Mm. And I mean, I, I don't agree with 
you're never going to agree with every decision from a scrum because you can't see both sides. Mm. So, uh, but the one thing I will give Joy credit for for the in- entirety of the game, she was very clear in her explanations. And if you look back and you walk in from her side, you can see where she's got those ideas from. Like mm. our hip going to his knee a few times, you can clearly see it when the cameras are on it. He's going to his knee, and that's where they're doing it. Another one was where, who was it? I think it was, might have been our hip again. It might have been later in the game. But it, it wasn't him coming in at the angle. It, I think it was Javan sort of hit, turning himself in. So it should have been a penalty the other way. But you can see the angle of them driving, and mm. you can understand why she's came to that decision. Yeah. So that's the only thing I will be positive about her. She was very clear in everything that she did. I think that's the the thing with scrums, though. I mean, most props haven't got a clue what's going on in the scrums. So for a referee to tell them this is what's happening, it it, it is that you know, if even when you're propping yourself, you know, you're you're still relying on your two members of the the front row to kind of support you. You're relying on a flanker. You're relying on your second row to give you that support. Do you know what I mean? So it's it, there's so many factors that go into uh, whether a scrum collapses or whether it stays up, you know, it's it's just an absolute nightmare. So to be able to go, yeah, that was you, that was your fault. <laughs> it's it's not. It's 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 never one person's fault in a scrum. It's always a, a combination of different things. So, but I, I agree. Your explanation and the way she was talking to players through the game was was absolutely superb. And the little bits, the the majority of that game, she got right. She she was pretty much spot on. It was just some of the really big calls that kind of maybe should have gone differently. But you know, like I said we we've been on the wrong end of it for so long. It was quite nice to be on the right end of a wrong call. So yeah, that's just maybe weird. we had the first season decisions going against us and the second half decisions going for us. Like, that's yeah. a nice way to think. It's it's just a shame being so far away from um you know we're we're still second in the table, uh, second from bottom in the table, so to be that far away going into the second half of the season is a bit kind of disappointing more than anything that there isn't really anything to play for, you know. We do have something in Europe, but yeah, knowing that. Even look, looking at this statistically, like I said a few weeks ago after the Ospreys game, that this was our, our URC season over because we're not going to make the number of points that the eighth place team got last season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, we could get close. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's totally a foregone conclusion. It's, like I said, there's no reason why we can't win every game and we probably should have won with bonus points against the Dragons and Cardiff and that would have been that would have been lovely. But at the same time, we're still talking about finishing at a similar sort of level to last season. Mm. And it's it's just because we've had so many downs in one hit that's made it feel worse. Like, so what we got? We've got five wins and eight losses. Mm. So if we were going like two and one, one, two losses, one win, one loss, one win, it wouldn't feel as bad as what we're currently looking at. Yeah, and I think it feels like the yeah we were talking last week about 
being honest with supporters and saying that we're, we're looking now at next season and we're looking at developing players and things like that. It does feel a little bit like we are starting to look to the future. You know, we saw Joe Roberts on Saturday. I thought Joe Roberts had a, a, an absolutely superb game. Um, uh, you know, Dan no, Davis, no, no. Tupelo too, you know. I really, I really want to talk about Joe Roberts just because there, there's... Okay, he's not the finished article yet. There were a couple of instances. If I look objectively at the game, Joe Roberts would have been my man of the match. There was one point early on where he strips Thomas Young of the ball and then he just throws Ray Lilo off him as if he's not there. And it it was just a brilliant all-round performance. Yes, he's not the finished article. There are some work-ons in there. But when we talk about young centres in Wales... Like, I know we've seen a lot on Max Llewellyn from Cardiff and we've seen a little bit on Mason Grady there as well. And when Mason Grady came on the pitch, he he had a pretty good game. I'll I'll say he was quite aggressive in what he'd done. But looking at all round, even including Joe Hawkins in this, I'd say probably Robert is probably the most rounded player at the minute. Not Mm. to say that he'll stay there and he'll end up as the better of that quartet but at the minute I'd probably say that he's got more in attack and he's probably more solid in defence at the minute mm. and I think when he's got someone like Jonathan Davis as a uh, a bit of a mentor, we've got Jonathan Davis and Scott Williams as you know, mentors, coaches however you want to do it um, he, he's he's in the right place to develop as a player. That is exactly the sort of performance I saw. When I, a young Scott Williams, like mm. the, the 2012 England game, that sort of performance that Scott Williams put in off the bench, that was what I saw from Joel Roberts against Cardiff. Mm. Well, I watched the um, Clesley and Ebervale game. Uh, it was on SOC on oh, yeah. Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night. And... Um, so we've spoken a lot about uh, Eddie James, you know, the yeah. centre coming through. I didn't realise how big Eddie James actually is. I think he's like six foot four. He is massive. He's huge. And he had a good couple of runs. There, there was one for, to set up the first Connecticut try. It was 22. He took the ball in our own 22 and he just went on his own and had a bit of a jaunt at the pitch and we ended up scoring a try um, off a, a five-yard line-out. But um, yeah, it was a good you know seventy meter run, and the the boy looks big. He looks fast, and when you put him inside or outside Joe Roberts, um, you know, I I get the feeling that that's a combination that's going to be there for a long time. You know, in, yeah, in the same way is. that Scott Williams and Jonathan Davis kind of came through, developed together, and will probably retire together. I get that feeling from those two coming through. I think that'll be the combination for the future. Yeah, I mean, Scott and Scott uh, were such a mainstay for the entire decade, other than when they, you know, went, went off, you know, uh, you know, John went for some son in France and uh, someone brainwashed Scott for a few years. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, we fixed that. Yeah. But no, I like there was another. I think he was on the wing for Clanetti. Yes, Ding William. He's another one who plays in the centre as well, and he's he's a smaller player, but he's really fast. And if we're looking at that Clanetti game from Thursday night, 
I, I know it was a loss and it's not exactly a big thing because we are Scarlets, but Kinecki isn't exactly, you know, high up on the priority list. Hmm. But, you know, performances from the likes of Sam Connor, they, they were really impressive. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think it's it's time now to start looking at how we bring these... Well, I think that's what he will do. He'll bring these players through between now and the end of the season and then that long off-season. There's talk of a... Um, uh, uh, not like a second team cup, but like a development cup at... Like the Rainbow Cup sort of thing, is it? Yeah, but for development sites, it would be a development site who are only allowed so many first team players and so many development players, that kind of thing. I, I, I saw, I'm not sure if it was somebody just going, this would be a good idea, or if it was somebody saying this has come from the URC as a you know start to the season or whatever. But something like that for us, I think, would be really good. It would do, it would bring on a lot of players, a lot of players. Yeah, I think if if they add like an A league, a, a reserves league, then directly beneath and you know they just played the day after whenever we played mm. so you know we all travel out together as a team i think that would be a good idea as well mm. we shall see we shall see so dreamland <laughs> so so let's talk about this friday then so it's a bit of a short turnaround um for uh, the opening game of the next round of European Cup games on Friday. Is it 8 o'clock? Uh, I'm not sure. Not Friday is normally 7.35, but I, I know Europe is a little bit different. So hmm. we'll have I to think we kick off at 8 then. and the Dragons are kicking off at 9, which is just a dumb time to kick off. But the middle of winter. Yeah, but it's out in Poe. Dragons are out in Poe, so... Oh, so that means they got a bit of warmer weather than it's... Yeah. It probably, probably be what, is that 9 o'clock hour time or 9 o'clock their time? I think it's 9 o'clock hour time, but I'm not... All I've seen is it's 9 o'clock, so... But that's for Dragons to, to worry about. Well, so, what you what are you hoping for from, uh, from this week's game? Uh, I'm hoping for continued improvements... That we that we have seen probably over the last five weeks, mm. and you know this we we did really well out in Italy against the South African cheetahs. So uh, and they haven't played. I don't think they've played any games. They have no league games. Mm. I don't know if they've had any sort of friendlies to keep them warm or nothing like that. So realistically, they are going to be colder than what they were in the first game. So, realistically, we are on upward trend. They, they really, they, it is so weird for them to be involved in this. I mean, mm. I, I can totally understand the Stormers, Bulls, and that, but to bring in a side that hasn't got a league competition running alongside it, you, you, I think you're asking for problems, really. But yeah. I, I'm expecting another another bonus point win, and just a, another good all wrong performance, and hopefully an, another step in the right direction hmm. I I think the reason they're in is because they want to bring another South African side into the URC I think that's why they're there and, and I think they want to prove that they can play a game or they want to join the, the Australian League or, or 
Japanese league. Or, do you know what I mean? I think they want to prove yeah. that they can be a team still and play in a competition. So I think that's why they're there. But well, there's no reason why they can't. I just don't understand. I mean, South Africa have, have basically stuck their two fingers up to Australia and New Zealand with the decision to join the URC. Hmm. So, and I, I think we've got too many teams in it as it stands. I, I'm I'm very old fashioned. I like my good old round robin home and away fixtures. Hmm. So, you know, I, I just don't see how we how it's gonna work if we had another team. I mean, I, I probably like it to split it into two divisions and maybe get some teams from Eastern Europe, Georgia, Romania, maybe even Spain and Portugal to join. Yeah. And I think that's probably, you know, five, six years down the line, um, how it'll end up. Uh, I think there'll there'll be two, two two divisions of ten teams in each division. I think that's that's where it'll end up. But who knows? Who knows? So, I, but I, yeah, I'm expecting the same thing. I'm I'm hoping for a really aggressive start up front. I think it, if we. If we can get on the scoreboard in the first five ten minutes, it does seem to settle the nerves. It does seem to kind of um, dictate the way we play the game. Then I think we, when sides get on top of us early, um, we do seem to struggle. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we can, you know, really come out all guns firing, put them to the sword for the first ten fifteen minutes, wrap up a bonus point before half time. And then just work on, you know, some of the development bits after that. That, you know, yeah. no, I, I I get what you're saying. Is as though they need that mental thing of knowing we can score, whether it's yeah. three points or a try. Yeah. You know, once we know we can score, we're sorted. Yeah, and I think there's also, you know, a couple of players there that are pushing for Welsh places. So people like Patch. Um, possibly Johnny McNichol, you know, uh, as a cover for the back line. Um, I don't think Jonathan Davis will will get a recall, if I'm honest. I think he's playing the best rugby he has done for a couple of years. But um, if you listen to his his after-match comments and they said, oh, does it make a difference with uh, Warren Gatlin being in the stands watching? And he said, no, I'm, I'm playing for the Scarlets. And... Scarlet is everything to me, so you know I think he's. I think that's his mentality now, and I think that's yeah. a massive benefit for us. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, with with the current state and the fact that we know Gatland likes big players, you know, playing Jonathan Davis as a twelve, not a thirteen, because he, he, I mean, he, hmm. he does struggle at thirteen in the URC. He's not going to have chance of being thirteen in the international game anymore. But as a 12, is he capable? Yeah, I have no doubt that he's capable of a 12. But mm. whether or not is obviously is, is completely out of our hands. Like I, I've yeah. seen loads of articles calling for Stephen Williams to be called up. Mm. And whilst, you know, I, I don't disagree, he's an attacking threat. But I, I I personally, I mean, other people may be different, but I haven't seen enough from his defensive game. And that might just be because I don't watch all the Ospreys games. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that until they get put in a position and never really go. And we weren't nobody really knew about Nick Tompkins until he got put in 
you know, got thrown into it and actually turned out to be quite a decent player, you know. So oh, come on. Tompkins was bashing it out at Saris and sort of about a season and a half before he got his call. He was already rated a quality player, like he was on England's radar before we came calling. Yeah, and but that's what I mean. In Wales, we wouldn't have seen him that much. You know, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't have been that the the because he's not in the URC and things like that. Unless you're watching the Gallagher Premiership every week, you wouldn't have known for definite that he was a good player. So, do you see anyone else getting a a call up? Do you think anyone else is quite close? Oh, let's have a look. I mean. Uh, I've been thinking Combi has been close for about a season, but he's been ill for the last couple of weeks, so that probably hasn't done his chances any good. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, Black has got to be starting nine. I know we had a couple missed kicks on the day, but, but he, you didn't see Thomas Williams at all in that game. He, yeah. he outshone him 110%. Mm. Uh I'll be honest, not so much involved in the match day, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if either Tuipalotu or Dan Davis got called up mm. just just to be in that training squad because, you know, they are exactly the type of player that Gatland likes, big and abrasive. Yeah, yeah. And look, at, I, I don't really see anyone else looking at the, the whole landscape of Welsh rugby I mean, Joe Roberts is obviously in with a chance, but I, I'm I'm really hoping that he stays with us because I, mm. I think like I've got no problem with you know players if they're good enough, they're young and they're ready or whatever. But I I still like players to have a full season with the club before they they bugger off. Like I know because I I can remember even when George North, you know, we're, we're talking back in 2010 now when he got picked up for the Autumn Series after starting six games for the Scarlets, I was thinking, yeah, he's really good, but realistically, you know, you want to let him bed in in time. I I know we worked out massively well with him, mm. but it, it doesn't always work out that way with players. Yeah, sometimes I mean, it can work the other way, can't it? Yeah, like Tom Pridey was one who got thrown in stupidly young mm. when he wasn't exactly ready for it. Uh, another one who was in the Wales squad that wasn't ready was Christian Phillips, really young again. And it just seems that, look, I, I, I know you want to get these players in as early as you can, but at the same time, you want to make sure that they can be consistent first. Yeah. And I think, you know, Gatlin's got to be looking at the World Cup and as a, this is a development towards a World Cup and things like that. So is he going to look at a lot of players or is he going to pretty much stick with players that he's already seen and, and knows? Already? So, yeah, I don't think there'll be a massive amount of change, in all honesty. Um, I don't think there'll be a lot of new players coming in. I, I think Combia may well make it because, like you say, he is a... Um, a Gatlin-style winger, and with Reese Zamet being not available potentially for quite a bit of it, um, I think he may come in as cover with um, Josh Adams. Yeah, I, so I saw in the press today that you know Win Jones may well be available for selection um, for Cheetah's game, which you know coming back in um, will be a you know just adds another international to to the set, which I think is, is good for us. We we need the more players like that we've got coming back, the better. I can't see Samson Lee coming back 
ever <laughs> sometimes. But no, I, I I'm with you 100. As much as I would love to see Samson on the pitch, he never got back up to the standard after his first Achilles injury, and now another one. It's mm. it's heartbreaking for the lad because he he's so down to earth and he's such a good person. Mm. Or it, it is disheartening. But you know we've got some good young tight deads now, so. Fingers crossed that side of the sword. You know, Win Jones, yeah, Andy Phillips. I, I haven't seen the full interview. I can't find it anywhere. But there have been some snippets saying that he's in full training, available for selection. So that's brilliant. And one thing I will say about Win Jones is he is a, a a brilliant role model. Like I I know there's only like five years between him and some of the younger loose heads that we got. But every time I've been around, been around the park, you know, gone to the club shop or done whatever, I, he's always with either with Stefan Thomas or Kemsley Mathias. He's always with one of them talking. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I just think that's that's brilliant from him. And being a player, you know, I, I know you can teach, like you can have the best scrummager in the world be your coach, but there's nothing like them starting. And then coming off and telling you exactly what's happening and what you need to do. Mm. And mm. It, it is massive for your game as a prop to understand that sort of thing. Because if you're told you need to do this, okay, you're going in and then you're, you're experiencing what your opposition is doing to you. And then if I do this, oh, that works. And mm. it's, it's massive in a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... You know, we we have started to kind of really focus on if it, when you look at the academy boys now, you look at how many props we've got coming through academy, and a lot of those props are working with um, oh, what's Ranks. his name? Uh, yeah, well, and Phil John. You know, Phil John is in academy, so you know there, there's a lot of knowledge uh, about how to prop and and what the front row is all about. I, it's just one of those areas in Wales that we're not particularly strong on, and we just, you know, we seem to develop people, and then they get injured and then they disappear, you know. So yeah, just but, just while his name has been mentioned, you know, yeah. Phil John for for the, for the younger viewers or listeners, I should say, <laughs> Phil John is the unluckiest man in Wales to never get a Welsh cap. Oh, he should have been capped so many. He should times. have been. He should have had a dozen or more caps. He was outstanding, yeah. and he was just so dominant around the pitch because he's a big guy. He's like six one, six two, but he looks like a prop. You know, I mean, he's got that, that round yeah. shoulders. He's got the strength. He's got, and he was, yeah. I don't know how he never got selected, but you know, big benefit for the Scarlets. And I'm, I'm good. I'm happy that he's in the. Um, in the the um, setup still because he is a good coach, um, you know. Even you know my boy's a winger, and my boy still talks to to Phil about you know about the mentality, about the mindset, about how you approach a game, about your fitness, and he has a laugh with him and, and a joke with him, and you know he, he's a really nice guy to be around. So yeah, fair play. And as a winger, you do need to talk to forwards to learn how to tackle. <laughs> well, let's come on to the uh, to the under 18s then, because um, yeah. So, oh, let's let's do predictions anyway. Let's do predictions for the Cheetahs game. I'm going to say Scarlets by 20. Oh, you're not going for exact scoreline. That's, that's well. That's I'm going to go. Let's let's say 30 points to 10. There we go. Bonus point win. 30 10. I'm going to go 42 15. 
Okay, fair enough. We'll, so we're close. We're close. We're it's it's a kick in and off for uh, for the cheetahs from somewhere. Okay, so let's let's look at the under 18s um, just briefly, um, and then we'll do some local stuff. So um, went to watch the under 18s against Newport last last Wednesday, um, which was a really good game. Wind was it was it was on the training park, and the wind was coming. From the top end down, it was we're kind of coming blowing into the bottom corner, I guess, at a, a bit of an angle, but it was definitely blowing that way. Um, and and I said when we we played against Cardiff, strong wind there, we didn't play very well with the wind, we didn't play well against the wind. This time, we absolutely nailed it. And I've got to be fair to our forwards, they were outstanding because this is a Newport side that won the championship last year. Um, yeah. got a lot of big strong boys in there and they uh, just had nothing from us there were maybe three or four entries into our 22 and a couple of them were from our mistakes um they had one penalty and then there was like at the end of the first half they had us pinned on our own line but we we kept it we we held them out and uh, i think we held them up over the line and then it was half time so you know, the boys played really well. Our back row is absolutely awesome. You know, all three of them, um, they're like a, a a pack of rats across the pitch. They're just onto everything. They really are. And, and nobody gets anything out of them at all. So I was really, really impressed. It was a comfortable win for the 18s. Um, some decent performances. Um, so, But yeah, it was... It was just it was just nice to watch a game where we just felt in control of that game, um, and, and yeah, fair play to them. They they did really compared, especially compared to last season, where just everything we were trying stuff last season and nothing was working, and we were getting bullied off the ball and stuff. This season, we're much more on it and um, very much in control of the game. So yeah, boys did well last week on that one. And now on and to tonight. So tonight they got um, Ospreys away. So I did say I was going to be at this game, so I would um, stream it, which I kind of got permission for, <laughs> um, uh, because it's a fan page. So we're, it's not like we're broadcasting it as a broadcaster or anything. You know, it's it's uh, it would be off my phone, but. I can't make it tonight because the boy's not well. So um, he won't be there. So I won't be there. Um, so I can't do it. Tonight. Oh, he's not going, is he? No, he's got an, he picked up a nasty infection that just needs to kind of. Um, yeah, I know he's got an infection. I know he's got a bit of infection. He can't play, but surely he should be on the side and supporting his teammates. Uh, he's not allowed to be around people, mate. So... Genuine. Nice. It's it's um infectious. So um it's just playing caution more than anything, but hopefully he'll be back next week. Um yeah. and, and next well, actually next week's game, if I remember correctly, is RGC away, so it's the Sunday after. So yeah, it gives us all a bit more time to, to do that one. Whilst we're on the subject of the under eighteens, I I've had the club list through from, from the Scarlets, because when they put up the normal announcement, they on, only some of them had clubs. Mm. And there's a massive representation from Pembrokeshire in there. Mm. I think there's four Narbeth boys, 
three Crimech. Yeah. And oh, there was an, who else was there? There was another, there was another three from Aberystwyth. That's it. And if um, you include a couple of Fishguard boys as well, I think. Yeah, and if you include Whitland in that, I think they got two players. So you know, there's mm. there's a big contingent of you know talent coming out of Pembrokeshire and Ceredigion, yeah. which is it. Obviously, it, it's good to see because mm. you know the pathway in in those two counties specifically is a lot more difficult than you know further east. Uh, once you get into Carmarthenshire, you know the opportunities seem to be a, a bit more there and then obviously it carries on all the way down through mm. Newport so to and see that sort of representation at this age it is brilliant well one of those players makes his uh, his first start um this evening which is outside half Fraser Jones from Narbeth so um so he used to play inside centre and Yola was outside centre and they they were absolute nightmare together they just ripped through everything um and as a as a, a ten, I I really like Fraser as a ten because he can hoof a ball in a way that he's a bit like Patch, you know. He he, he kicks it and you're going, are still going, still going, still. He'll kick it there from his own twenty-two. Oh, the the guy can just belt it, especially you know, bit of a win tonight again. Um, and and on top of that as well, he's he is a good controller of the game. He is a good controller. So he comes in at 10 and Steph Evans moves to 15 and then Fuller moves from 15 to the wing. So, um, yeah, there's there's a couple of other changes in there, but I'll be honest, I, I don't know the players well enough to, to say this one's in and this one's out. But the back row looks fairly familiar um, and the bench does as well. So, yeah, so... Players' names that I recognise from Pembrokeshire um, would be Max Page at 13, uh, Fraser at 10, uh, Jack Delaney on the bench. And I've probably missed a couple of others, but I don't know who, um, in all honesty. I think, no. Anyway, I think Josh Morse rings a bell, but I think that's just because I saw him from last year. Anyway. Boys are playing away Ospreys tonight at Brewery Field 7.15. So if anyone is available and wants to, to go and have a, a watch, this is probably the, the toughest game of the season uh, in terms of the boys up front. I know we're missing a couple of boys up front, um, but this is the big challenge up front. When we play Cardiff again, we'll take Cardiff and, and we should have beaten them up there, beaten the Dragons quite comfortably. This this is the big game for them, and if they can win this one, then it's all looking good for the rest of the season. So good. Yeah. And just for, so I know there's a couple of the 18s listening because because I've had that feedback. Um, so um, I've asked Scarlett about putting photos on the um, the website to fill in the under 18 section. They are working on it. They've got the photos. They did the photos at the start of the season, but. They are working on it. There's a technical glitch. <laughs> I don't know what that what that is. But last um, lingo for they haven't got around to it yet. You'll be done yeah. when it's done. Yes, yes. Somebody's changed their phone and it's stuck on their old phone. Now it um so they are working on it. So hopefully we'll um we'll be able to see some of the faces. Cause these these are the boys of the future. These are the boys of the future. You know, we the way the game is going. The, the big name players coming in from abroad, from you know the Fijians, the New Zealanders, the, the Tongans. That's 
highly likely to dry up and it'll all be yeah. internal development stuff. So, you know, these are the boys in five years' time that are going to be um, making their mark. On. Yeah, because even looking over the border, the salary caps have been reduced. There's talk of a salary cap in this new agreement with the WIU. So the days of the journeyman from abroad seem to have, have basically gone, unless yeah. you're a proven, in, probably not international, but of that standard, you're not going to be allowed a contract, never mind, you know, being yeah. in with a shout to one. Yeah. So um yeah, so good luck to to under eighteens tonight and then hopefully next week we'll have a uh, I'll have a bit of a match report from that anyway. So lovely. Right, let's do Pembrokeshire stuff, mate. Let's do Pembrokeshire. Let's rattle through Pembrokeshire because I didn't get to do the um uh, uh the rundown, the scoreboard rundown because oh, uh, no. I was I was watching the Scarlets play and having a drink. <laughs> It's what I was doing. Um, I was. I'm at the end of my Christmas beer, so I've got to. Somebody's got to get rid of it somewhere, like you know. <laughs> I'll just save it for another time, like. Uh, I'm going on a diet in February. I've decided I'm not going to start my diet in January because I got so much stuff left on Christmas. I'm uh, going to start it in February. I've now got to get rid of all of this stuff, so I've got to eat a ton of chocolate, a ton of Christmas biscuits, and a load of Christmas beer before first of February. So, and then uh, I'm going I'm, on a diet. I'm exactly the same as you, mate. Where you know January is not it's not my New Year's at all. You know I, I keep everything for February. It's like you know Saint Twin Wednesday. I can ha- I can have a good bloody uh, you know night out with the missus and whatever. And then when February comes, you know everyone who started you know the month in the gym and mm. giving up after the first week or so <laughs> they've all drained out. So you know if I do decide to do anything, it's a lot calmer. Yeah, February's a good month to start stuff. Yeah. Anyway, February's so, a new, new year. Yeah, so the new it's February's a new January. <laughs> so yeah. um you come to Wales, February the first is a new year. <laughs> right, so let's have a look. Uh in the championship last week, uh Narbeth played Tata Steel, they won quite comfortably 43-0, which is what we were expecting. Lovely jubbly. Um this week they're away to Ustrid Ronda. It's a so, repeat of the first game of the season. No, it was it, it wasn't a big win. I think it was sixteen ten uh the game, first game. Yeah. And you know, I'm pretty much expecting I mean if they really wanna push on and try and, you know, fight for that third spot. I know they've got, you know, Bargoid, cross keys and all that involved. So it's not gonna be easy. Hmm. But if they do wanna fight on, they've gotta at least get the win down against Ustred and you know it's 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 not a bad field you know um it's right next to the leisure center so you know plenty of parking thankfully <laughs> as long as they haven't got something going on but yeah it is it's not too bad the only thing you've got to watch out though is if you kick down the bottom end the train tracks are right behind and they've got nothing to block it just a couple of trees nothing so you move that over you, you know it's, it's <laughs> hell of a job to get it back <laughs> well Narbeth are fifth in the table uh, Astrid Ronda are sixth in the table, so um, there's really not much between them. There's three points difference between them. That what that first game of the season between them. Yeah, so if Narbeth can can nick a win here, that puts them in a really good position for this last bit of the the, the season. Um, 
Like I say, it's going to be, there's a group of three of them. There's Narbeth, Crosskeys, and Bargoid. So Bargoid, 34 points, Crosskeys, 32 points, Narbeth, 31 points. Yeah, well, that's quite close. That's a tight yeah. kind of section of the table. So they may well be in with a shout or something. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a Narbeth win by one point. I think, uh, you know, 20 points to 19, something like that. Is, uh... Yeah, I, I'm I'm back in Narbeth as well. And with, obviously, no confirmed information about promotions working. We know at least two teams are going up from the championship this year. But, you know, the 12th team in the uh, premiership might have a playoff with the third in the championship. So, you know, that, that could be on the cards. So mm. third place is, you know, very much worth your money to try and get a hold of. Yeah. And, you know, it's all about development now, isn't it? Going forward is how those boys develop. So, yeah, best of luck to Otters for the weekend. So looking at uh, one west, then so we we were expecting, we were hoping for oh, uh, no. Pembroke's first win of the season, uh, and they lost fifty five eighteen against Newcastle. You know they start to score points, but it's <laughs> that's the only real positive. And the report from the game, you know, I've seen the uh, Emlyn report from the game. And they've said, you know, it was a tough game. It was competitive. And, you know, sometimes the scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect the game. But, you know, 55-18 is a bit of a kick in the half. So, yeah. But onwards and upwards, you know, never mind. we go again next week. Uh, Clearly Wanderers drew 15-0 with Aberystwyth. Yeah, uh, that was a massive disappointment for mm-hmm. me. I mean, Aberystwyth, I... I I know I said I might have gone over. I, I was considering it, but it, it was a bit of a dreary day. And, you know, <laughs> 200 metres is a long walk. But, um, <laughs> but no, I was fully expecting Aberystwyth with to put Flanagan Wanderers away. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm really upset they haven't. Well, um, Krimmer did put Pencloud away, uh, 25-17. So that was uh, um, a decent win for them that keeps them top of the table um but again you know the what are they they're 33 points Emlyn are on 30 points and the Emlyn have got a game in hand so you know um who knows Whitland I think I, I can't see a result for Whitland for oh I, I've had Whitland's result I think or was it postponed I think it was postponed you know it must have been postponed it have been postponed yeah yeah, let's go with yeah. postponed. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so fixtures for this week then. Um, so this is um, probably the tie of the, of the whole bloody setup. Krimmich in first place, Newcastle Emlyn in second. So with Krimmich at home Newcastle uh, to Newcastle Emlyn, local derby, lot of yes. rivalry. Um it's going to be a nightmare for the weather because <laughs> it's Krimmer and it's going to be bad weather as well. Um, how are you calling this one? I mean, I, we've we've got a back Krimmer. I mean, the, the top of the table for a reason. You know, Newcastle, I mean, are hot on the heels. This is top of the table. Could be, you know, early season league decider. That's that's the sort of match that we're looking at. So I, I'm backing Krimmer. You know, it's... Yeah. It's, I think you know it's it's going to be a close game. I I, yeah. I got no doubt about that. But Krimich are going to edge it. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a close game. Um, you wouldn't want to be a winger in that game because you're going to be frozen solid, 
and never going to see the ball because <laughs> it's all going to be um, two sets of forwards just beating each other up for at least 50 minutes of that game. But it's it's going to be a good game. And I, I'm going to go Krimuk to edge it by a couple of points as well. So 2018, something like that, I think. Um, but yeah, looking forward to reading the report on that one. Uh, next up, then Pembroke travel to Hrangenek. Oh, here we oh, go again. Fangenich <laughs> are another one. They 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 still in that mix for top spot. Mm. No, there's. Uh, I mean, I wanted Pembroke to pick up the first win against second place Newcastle Emlyn. So mm. third place Fangenich, it should be an easy one, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, when, and especially going away to Fangenich is. Uh, I, I'm going to predict a Pembroke win by one point, or, or let's say three nil. Pembroke will win three nil with a penalty or something. But uh-huh. yeah, I, I want to win this week. I want to win this week, so I'm going to go for Llanganich. <laughs> okay. Um, Aberystwyth travel to Pencloud. Um, yeah, Aberystwyth. Yeah, I can't see Pencloud traveling them particularly on that. So it's particularly coming off the back of a, a draw that they felt they should have won. Um, yeah, I think that's a Aberyst with by five points, maybe ten on that one should be quite comfortable. And then Whitland at home to Velin Boyle. Ooh, that's, a, that's tasty as well, to be mm. fair. I mean, Velin Boyle, they're, they're not quite in, in the hunt for top spot, but they are at the top end of the table. So uh, you know, I'm probably gonna have to give it a Vellinvol unless Whitland can you know turn up because we're still waiting for them to turn up this season. We're still waiting, and it's been a while since we have been waiting for them to turn up. We're in the but second half of the season now, man. I know, and I I just I I always expect more from Whitland, and it's a real disappointment to not have more from Whitland this season. But yeah, I, I've gone Vellinvol as well. I just can't see. I can't see Whitland pulling one out of the bag there, but there we go. But then I can't see Pembroke pulling them out of the bag either. <laughs> it's just a hope more than anything with that. So down into two West then. Um, results from last week. Fishguard lost 37-17 at Kidwelly. Milford lost 39-7 at Mumbles. And Tenby lost 24-17 to Pontadillice, which... Uh, Bit of a crap week all round, really. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Fishguard and Tembe, you know, fair enough. They are facing, I think it's one and two in the table. Yeah. So yeah. it was always going to be difficult. But, you know, Milford, I was really hoping for a Milford win. I mean, they, they sort of in a similar, they were in a similar area to Mumbles on the table. But obviously, they didn't, didn't manage to pull it off. Yeah. I just... For whatever reason, I I was hoping for more from from Tembi. I'll be honest; I thought Tembi could have taken them, but there we go. So um, fixtures for this weekend: then Milford travel to Carmarthen Athletic. That's, so that's, that's another one. Is... Second from bottom plays third from bottom. So that's... No, you got to back Milford. Then I don't know. You know, if there's no clear difference, we got to say Milford for the win. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Milford for that one as well. Um, Fishguard travel to Mumbles. So, no, again, fish... mid-table. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for Fishguard. You know, they did a good side. They, you know, they, they, they're in contention to actually, you know, leapfrog Tenby now. 
So, you know, they're, they're not too far off being the best Pembrokeshire side in the league. Well, we're Fishguard on, yeah, Fishguard. Fishguard on 16 points, Tembi on 24. But then Fishguard got two games in hand on Tembi. So, you yeah, know, they're not too far off. They could do it. Hmm. So you're going for a Fishguard win, are you? Yeah. Okay. I'll join you on that one because I think it's going to be a close game. Mumbles are ahead of them in the table, but if Fishguard can pull out those two games that they got in hand on everyone, if they if they win them, then they they're back level. So yeah, I'm going to going to back Fishguard on that one, and then Tembi at home to T. Croix. So, yeah, should be should be a Tembi win. I'm hoping. Yeah. Tembi are four places ahead of Tikroyce in the um, in the table. Um, probably, you know, coming off last weekend, they felt that they should have done better. But yeah, I'm going to go for a comfortable Tembi win on that one as well. Right, where are we now? Three, three West, three West. Let's have a look at three West. Three West A. Three West A. I don't know why they even bother having a B. I think there's a lot of Leslie sides in B, isn't there? Yeah, this it's like it's like Pem- the west side and the east side, west west versus west east. Ridiculous, <laughs> right? So, um, last week's games then. Uh, so uh, Quinns against Aberaeron was called off because of the Aberaeron pitch. I saw a lot of games being called off around the country, to be honest. Um, most of the Pembrokeshire games happened. Uh, which is good. So Nayland travelled to Cardigan and dished out a 20 points to three hammering um, in Cardigan. Langham received a 64-6 beating off St. Clair's. Um, and then the other game was St. David's and Haverford West, which is a bit closer. Um, Haverford West came out on top of that 21-11. And by all accounts, um, I think St. David's were um, in the lead going into half time. And then Arthur West came back, but quite a good game by all accounts. Not seen anything with regards to um, fancy dress, which a bit disappointing, but there we go. So, games for this weekend then. Aberaeron at home to Tregaron. Simple. Simple yeah. Tregaron. And they're not even playing this year, are they? Well, um, let's see. Um, yeah, they've only played six games. So it does look like I think you've got to fulfil eighty um, percent of your games to be allowed to re-enter next season. So Tregaron are in a bit of a sticky ground, and I think a lot of the teams that are um, uh, with games in hand have got Tregaron in the in those games. So Aberaeron at home to Tregaron, that's an Aberaeron win. Cardigan at home to Pembroke Dock Quins might be an home advantage, does it? I say, yeah. So, one, two, three. So, Quins are fourth from bottom, Cardigan fifth from bottom, but Quins have got two games in hand over Cardigan. And if the Quins win those two games in hand, they would go, they'd be up with Nayland then. So one, two, yeah, they jumped two or three places. This, this is all fictional land. This is if no one else plays any games <laughs> in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to go for a Quinn's win there. I just think that they're... they're oh, I, I'm going right. cardigan. Home, home advantage. We'll see them through. 
Okie dokie. So then we got Lan at home to St. David's. Uh, I was really encouraged by St. David's performance. Mm. Like, you know, Harvard West are, you know, a, a top-end team in this league. But, you know, Lan, Lan are... I, I don't think this... No, they're not undefeated anymore. They lost to St. Clair's. Yeah. You know, they, they're just too strong at the minute. So as much as I'd like St. David's to win, I, I just can't see it happening. Sorry. Yeah, and I'm I'm in the same boat. I think Lan have had a bit of a wobble. I think they're putting the wheels back on now. So I'm expecting quite a comfortable bonus point win for Lan. I think it'd be a forty odd ten, something like that. It's just gonna be one of those games. So interesting game next. Langham against Lampeter. Lampeter <laughs> second from top. Langham second Lampeter. from bottom. Lampeter still unbeaten. Um no, they've lost one, so I think they lost to St. Clair's because St. Clair's is the only team unbeaten so far. So, yeah, must be. so yeah. yeah, I'm oh, Lang, I'm gonna walk over them easy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, if, if if there's gonna be a shock, that's where the shock's gonna come, isn't it? It's um yeah, it's gonna be an easy lamper to win uh, on that one for me. Later. Um, <laughs> um Nayland traveled to Hlanabother. So yeah, um, Nayland have been doing pretty well recently. In all fairness, like I didn't expect them to do over Cardigan last week. Hmm. So you know, Nayland, Nayland for the win. Yeah, and I think Clannabother are, are not really pushing on from where they were at the start of the season. Nayland have maintained an a, an okay sort of form. So yeah, that, that's going to be a Nayland win. And then final game, then St Clair's Ooh. against Haverford West. So, Repeat of the opening day. Oh, you know, Halford West, they've, they've got a lot to prove. You know, if they if they want to be serious and carry on going upwards and onwards, they okay, I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to win it because I, I think St. Clair's are truly well and above everyone else this season. Yeah. But they've got to dig in and they've got to put in a good performance. Yeah, I'd say the same. I think it should be a a comfortable St. Clair's win, which, uh, you know, for a side that didn't exist 20 odd years ago or whatever it was, to be in that bit where we're expecting them to beat sides like, you know, Harford West, Quinns, Cardigan, you know, sides that have been around a really, really long time. St. Clair's fair play to them. They're doing really, really well. Um, unbeaten. It's, it's what you get when you invest in the setup. Like I said earlier in the season, they've got the Scarlet 16s West coach, Rodri Jones, as their head. You know, when, when you invest in good coaching, mm. you're going to get results. And that's that's really what everyone should look at doing. Coach development and player development is, is, is the bedrock of creating a good club. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, I think it'd be a close game as well, but I think St. Clair's will come out of it, the victors on that one. Um, so the only other bit left to say then is women's under-18s. Um, so Scarlet's women's weren't playing um, last week, but they are playing this week. Um, in So where is it this week? It's in Clandebury on Sunday. So I think oh, I had it up earlier. I can't remember who we're playing. I think we're playing Cardiff, but there's four teams all play same time. It's not yeah, round yeah, robin. Yeah. It's just two games. But yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's what they're doing this season. Instead of having home and away, they sort of have it in you know weekends or or day 
festivals like some fig what the days fixtures in Llandovery. I know they're up in Park Arias, and then they go in wet they go in further east to the other fixtures. So it's it's a nice idea that you know mm. all, all the girls are together for every single match day. Yeah, and um, so I'm just trying to see if I can find the girls um set up for no i can't i can't find it for i've got it saved somewhere i just can't find it at the minute so it's it's in Sandbury this sunday though so if anyone's around um i'll put it on our facebook page and um i think i've put it on there already actually so it'd be a good uh good to get out and support the girls because uh, it is important to give them the encouragement that they need and that is it my friend we are done for another week oh. We're not. It's not it. I've got one little piece of news for for all fans out there who are not already part of uh, Cree 16, the Scarlet's official fan group. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's free to join. So, you know, just type in Cree 16 to find it. The Meet the Management e- evening is almost penciled in. It's really close. So if you sign up, it should be the latest end of this month or beginning of February and it'll be a free evening. You get to see all the coaches so and ask whatever questions you want. So it's, it's 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 a good thing to do. You know, if you've got any questions you want to ask, then by all means, you know, once it's announced, you know, send them in and you will get your answers. Mm. And it, it'll be a lot easier. It'll be a lot easier on the coaches now than it would have been. Yeah, I honestly, I think that's why it's waited so long. <laughs> Because I think normally it's, it's done similar time to the meet the players, which I think was back in October, November time. Yeah. But you know, I I, I totally understand postponing it for a bit and you know holding the Six Nations. It, it keeps a bit of interest in with the Scarlets when we're not playing that often, which is yeah. a, a big disappointment. I miss miss the good old days of having a where you know the Anglo Welsh games. You know, we we need that second competition to you know pull out our younger boys and give them that sort of game time. Well, maybe we can talk through that when uh, when we hit Six Nations period in uh, in a couple of weeks' time. This we've got a lot of stuff to go through, mate. This oh, we've got so much. We, I, I think we've got something around two hundred hours worth of content to go through. So it's just whether or not we can fit it in with the normal stuff. Well, let's let's just add to our uh, uh, problems on that then. But if there's anyone that's got anything, uh, any questions or anything they want to talk about uh, during the Six Nations, where it'll be a little bit different format, a little bit different setup. Um, so yeah, send them on like, email, so message us on Facebook or whatever, and we'll we'll try and get them into the into the. Yeah, bit. and and if any of you eighteen boys, you want a, a little interview. You know, if, you know, five ten minutes, nothing too serious. Just a little talk about uh, who you are, where you're from, how you do, and you know, give drop us a message, and we'll we'll, we'll chuck you in. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, I might after the the um, RGC away game, uh, if Yolo's playing, I'll uh, I should be up there for that one. So I might do a couple of interviews after that. That'd be quite nice. Yeah, get some co- get somebody coach reaction after the game for both sides. They bugger off. Was... They do the big huddle <laughs> like that, yeah. And then... Born in their face and saying, how did the game go? <laughs> no, I'd ask Phil and he'd, he'd, he'd go, <laughs> just slap me out the way, <laughs> gone. <laughs> nah, he'd chop your knees, he'd bend you over, get you in that scrimmaging position and he put you to the sword. Yeah, I've done that once. That's, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all the best, Mark. I shall catch up with you week, uh, next you week, mate. Me. Enjoy your rugby. All the best, bud. Ta-da.
So just a quick little uh, addendum to the today's show. Uh, the under-18s game against the Ospreys has been called off due to a, a heavy pitch, a uh, bit of crazy weather up there. So um, if you were planning on going, uh, don't. So cheers for that. Bye. You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS, find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire, or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is Besterer. Cheers. Podcast Network.